This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. there friends and family welcome to the adoption chronicles you're listening to episode 26 and today we're joined by amanda koval all the way from america welcome to the show amanda thank you so much for having me on the show my pleasure it's, um, it's a wacky old time difference and thank you so much for being available at this time of the day you know, it actually works out perfect for me. I'm an early bird, and so this is the perfect time. Other than your uh, listeners get to hear a little bit of my scratchy voice, so apologies in advance for that. <laughs> All good. So um, you've got a different uh, type of adoption story. Um, where would you like to begin with your story? Um, I would like to just begin my story. I probably at the beginning. <laughs> any good? Yep. Any good story begins there. Maybe Absolutely. I won't uh, go into every single detail for the sake of time. But um, as you shared, I'm an adoptive mom of two and uh, my children are seven and four and I do live in the United States and they were both adopted here in the United States, um, which is, you know, something a little different maybe Mm -hmm. than some adoption stories. Yeah. So I guess one of the differences that um, we could discuss within the the context of the whole thing is that potential difference between adoption in Australia and America. Now, adoption has decreased a lot in recent, I guess, decades in Australia. Has that been the case in America? You know, it really has been. Um, COVID actually recently had a huge impact on um, the number of adoptions Mm -hmm. from um, here in the U.S. And I will say, though, within the past, call it six or so months, though, um, the adoption numbers are beginning to rise again in a post-COVID world. 
I think the maybe the lockdowns for so long might have had you know an impact on that. Yep. And there have also been other resources which have been positive for parenting solutions for those that might have previously considered adoption as well. Right. Okay. Um, so to go back, I guess even before it's started, was there a point in time where you came to the decision to adopt? You know, there was. So um, I've always been one of those folks that I just kind of knew in my heart I was going to have a, a child. Yeah. No matter how that child came to me, it just, and it, I've always been one that could just pick up any baby and just love on it. And it, you know, it didn't matter. I, I felt the same about every child in, in my world, in my life. And um, as, you know, some adoption stories, not all, my husband and I struggled with infertility and we were actually on uh, vacation on holiday mm -hmm. and um, sitting on the beach as like some sort of like iconic moment. Right. And yeah. it just hit me. I was like, I'm kind of done with infertility and yeah. I'm ready to go head first into this and he was excited about it and said let's go and then off the googling search began because yep. i knew zero about adoption and the fertility process as well is i guess i only experiencing it third hand or second hand from friends of mine who have told me what they're willing to share about it is that it's um quite the process as well yeah, it is. Um, we struggled for several years. We did everything from IUI to IVF and had fortunately a couple of life-threatening moments there. And that was one, the last life-threatening moment. Um, I was, he found me passed out in our living room because I was bleeding out internally. My, wow. I'd had an ectopic pregnancy and the tube had ruptured. And, and that was kind of the moment where, you know, after recovering from that, I was like, I'm just mm -hmm. kind of done with this. Yeah. You know, this seems quite silly that, you know, I, I've always loved children. It doesn't matter again, biological or otherwise. So yeah. why am I continuing to, to put this, put my life at risk in this manner mm, absolutely so how what did google come up with for you <laughs> google came up with a lot of confusing stuff right. <laughs> that is what it came up with um it i chased myself around and around and around and finally um i had one friend and that was it in my friend group that had adopted right and she had adopted through an attorney and so okay. I said, you know what, maybe, maybe that's the route for us. And so, because what I learned on Google is that there were so many different types of adoption that I never knew feasible. So here in mm. the States, there were things like embryo adoption, where you would adopt an embryo that wow. was frozen or foster care adoption, which is really popular, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of knows about that one. Yep. And then you could adopt from an agency or an attorney. And again, when I was just starting out, I had no idea what all of these things were. And so I decided to go to an attorney which of course was not free. He said, you know, $500 and I'll talk to you for an hour. And so wow. I sat down and said, tell me all the things, man. And he scared the daylights out of yeah, me right. and um, pointed me towards a few resources, mm -hmm. which helped us settle into the fact that this was a big, scary endeavor. And maybe we needed to work with an adoption agency to help us navigate through that. Right. And then, the next process would have been to find the appropriate adoption agency for you. 
It was, yeah. So um, again, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time, right? So I interviewed yeah. a, a handful of agencies and just tried to get a sense of process and you know time and what I needed to do and and all of those things. And ultimately, for me, it came down to the actual person I would be interacting with at the agency mm-hmm. and making sure that I, I felt comfortable and safe with them because, again, the process seems so big and scary. And um, that was ultimately how I ended up choosing our agency um, based here out of the U.S. and Kansas City. Right. So you're in Kansas City? Um, actually, no, I am in Arkansas. And right. so I found that that was another thing I learned and discovered along the way is that here in the U.S. you can adopt from you know any state yep. and there are agencies that work across multiple states. And only later did I learn that you could actually even just facilitate the adoption yourself by mm-hmm. doing something that's called self-matching, which had I known it's totally the route I would have gone, but I'm obviously very grateful and thankful for the route we chose because yep. it led to, to our family. Yeah, yeah, yep. And with 50 different states, there's 50 different laws um, and that would be a bit of a tangled rope as well, I assume. Oh my goodness. It is, yes, an incredibly tangled rope because there's different laws for everything as it relates to how you're allowed to share your intention to adopt oh. with expectant families, to how you're able to support them throughout their pregnancy and then after adoption. And then, then of course, there are different laws and requirements by state on you as a hopeful adoptive family on what type of paperwork and approvals and home studies and all of the things. And so ultimately, that was the reason why we we went with an agency, right? Because it yeah. just was so varied and sorted and different. Um, and it, it's not something you want to get wrong, right? On, no. on so many levels. You don't want to get to the last hurdle and then realize you forgot to tick a box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, ironic you say that. So we, we did have what... Um, in hopeful adoptive parent language, we call it disruption, which right. meant we had um, the opportunity to adopt a little girl. We parented her for seven days and we got to the very last, what I would say, hurdle there. And um, the expectant family or the birth family at that time changed their mind and right. decided that they wanted to parent. And that was the first moment for me in um, the adoption process that I realized that not all things are as they seem. Mm. And um, it was a very hard lesson. You know, I had suffered obviously infertility and a lot of losses and miscarriages through that. And while each one of those were devastating in their own way, it was nothing compared to the devastation of handing a child back. I knew that, you know, obviously she was going back to somewhere that obviously loved her and cared for her. Um, but on the same time, that was a real loss uh, yeah. for, for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those, one of those areas where you can see the both sides of the fence and you can see of why course. the parents would take their child back, but you could also see the heartbreak from your perspective as well. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, that was when I realized that there's so much beauty and trauma wrapped mm. up in a single decision, mm-hmm. um, and that was not something that honestly I'd considered before. Yeah. And 
listen, every, you know, it was horribly heartbreaking, but it yeah. taught me some really valuable lessons, yeah. not only for our adoption journey, but that's actually what led me to begin to help others through the journey as well. Yeah. Because I, I just wanted other people that might be entering into this situation, not as eyes wide open as I was at that moment to be a little bit more eyes wide open and then begin to research and understand the triad in a very different way. Yeah, I'm not sure how many episodes you've heard, but I've often said that, like, from an adoptive adopted child's perspective, which is my perspective, that I'm the result of somebody else's decision. And yeah. my whole life unfolded one way or another because of my birth mother's decision. Um, and if you think about that as something that that can weigh heavily on uh on a person and it's not just the child as well it's the um yeah the whole triad the whole three potential people that are in in the situation so yeah it's a it's a biggie isn't it it is and you know there are moments in my ch children's lives even to this day even at seven and four that i get very I'm going to say sad that I can't share that with their birth moms, um, that they're not here experiencing that. And I, you know, have a, obviously a tremendous amount of gratitude for them and their yeah. decisions because it's granted me the most beautiful opportunity of my life. But in the same moment, it makes me incredibly sad that they're not there experiencing that and seeing her ride the bike for the first time or seeing him yeah. write his name for the first time. And, you know, those little moments as well as the big things like birthdays and yeah. all of that. Um, it's, it's funny at my best friend often jokes uh, going into the time around their birth that she knows that I kind of relive all of the moments that were happening there. Like, oh, this is when we got the phone call and this is mm -hmm. when we met for the first time mm -hmm. and, and all of that. And she is so phenomenal that she knows those dates and moments by heart. And, and she knows what I'm feeling in those moments and she'll reach out and she's like, how are you today? You know, yeah. and it's, um, you know, what would you want to tell E? That's my yeah. son's, or excuse me, my daughter's birth mother. What would you want to tell E today? And, you know, yeah. have you written in your journal to her and, and those types of things. When you uh, were in the process, uh, I guess in the, in the short term after you adopted, did, were you given, or even beforehand, were you given any information about their birth parents and their situation, whether it was um, in a social sense or if there was a reason for the decision or if there was, was there anything that you were able to, to get out of the agency of, of the birth parents? Yeah. So the agency has kind of their standard paperwork of, yeah. you know, call it medical history and, um, you know, preferences from the expectant family and things of that nature. And so you kind of get base level understanding mm -hmm. of who, who they are and, and what, you know, quote unquote, the opportunity, which makes me nauseous to say that out loud, yeah. you know, you know, what the situation is uh, yeah. about. And when um, then from there, it is up to the expectant family as to what type of contact they want to have pre right. and post birth. Right. And um, and I will say it is different for both of my kiddos and it is, um, it is something that I'm still learning to navigate for sure, even today. Um, uh, but for my daughter's, um, birth mom, 
she chose just to meet us at the hospital. And okay. so I got 45 minutes with her. Wow. 45 minutes. And I tried to cram as much, you know, memory, core memory making as I could in those moments um, because she didn't want any photos yep. um, and she didn't want anything to be shared with our daughter. I still hold out hope that she'll change her mind one day. I hope she, you know, uh, kind of comes across our story in some way and and feels compelled to reach out. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it, so we, you know, I spent 45 minutes and it probably for her, it felt like the most nervous interrogation mm, yeah. <laughs> because I was trying to ask her every question um, that my daughter could possibly ever want to know the answer to, which is obviously impossible for you to do in 45 Absolutely. minutes. Absolutely. Um, but then on the flip side with our son, mother, she wanted to meet us in person mm -hmm. prior to his delivery. And so oh, we okay. went and had dinner together, which, uh, felt like the most nervous first date I'd had yeah. in my entire life. Can you imagine? Um, yeah. And so, but that was, that was fun to get to know her in a different way. Yeah. Um, and. And to see how excited she was for the future that he would have and how resolute that she was that this was the right decision for was, him. Yes. And I was just that about gave to say me that. such peace. Yeah. That would have yeah, been the I guess the last bit to help her be comfortable with that life changing decision. Yeah. Um, I, I kid that I changed my outfit three times and, <laughs> and was like, oh man, I should actually take some of that perfume off because what if she, what if smells make her nauseous? And yeah. my husband was like, okay, are you dating her? What's going on? I'm like, I just, I really want to like her and her to like us. And this just be an easy conversation. Yeah. One thing that I've found in talking to people and also my parents as well. So if I'm talking about my parents, I'm talking about my mum and my dad who adopted me. And I consider them my parents and my birth mother was my birth mother and that's how I consider themselves. I'm talking about them in those terms, that's who they are. I do sometimes in having a chat with, with mum that she felt a bit of doubt early. Have you um, had anything like that crop up? Any, um, any, what feelings did you go through when you, when you brought your bubs home? Yeah, I would say, um, so I'm a working mom yep. and I would say, at the very beginning, especially like when I had to go back to work, I had a lot of self-doubt. And especially when I was home, I was 100% focused on them. You know, when I was on maternity leave and when I went back to work, I did find myself you know, just second guessing, like, am I making the best decision for them? And there, especially when my daughter, I, I think I'd gotten over it so much more when my son came along. Yeah. Uh, but I remember confiding in my best friend, like, what if, what if E wouldn't have done it this way? And she was like, Whoa, take a beat, yeah, honey. Absolutely. Like, you know, first of all, she was like, she chose you for a reason. Yeah. She, you know, specifically, um, we actually talked about that 
is childcare was one of the things, one of the questions she asked me back during okay. our, our 45 minutes together. And I said, you know, I do intend to still work. Yep. And um, she said, actually, I do. I want that. I want um, your daughter, our daughter to have a strong female role model that shows her that life isn't perfect mm -hmm. and that you find balance in the moments. And so my best friend was just like, you know, I, I think you need to seek some professional counseling on this so, so it doesn't become an impediment. And that was the first time that I was like, you know, you're right. Adoption is different and it comes and it needs a different set of tools in my yeah. toolbox in order to make sure that I'm not passing on my, you know, issues or insecurities to my daughter. And so I, I sought out counseling and, and, you know, specifically an adoption trauma informed counselor. Mm -hmm who helped me really understand that there was some underlying trauma there that was making me doubt, you know, small decisions in my life that I really hadn't properly dealt with from the infertility journey. Right. And then the, the, honestly, the guilt I was feeling because I was feeling like, you know, you should have the opportunities to see these moments and live these moments and, and all of that. And it's obviously something I still work on to this day. But she said, you know, my, my uh, trauma informed counselor was a, a female and she said, Hey, you know, this is just something we've got to work together and mm. unpack. And, um, and for me, it, it was a struggle at the beginning, but ultimately, you know, through the right tools and putting perspective and journaling, I was able to, to really deal with that guilt and that second guessing that I had. And now I would say that it doesn't exist <laughs> as yeah. much anymore as, as it did back then. I, I believe that uh, those types of feelings would be common amongst all parents, whether you're an adoptive parent or you've got your own kids. I know that um, my two kids, um, so looking at it from a perspective, from a parent's perspective, I've got doubts about what I'm doing. If I'm doing things right, that's best for them. And I think that's just normal um, parenting emotions, I think, to a, to a degree. And there's obviously a lot of um, truth of what you said as well. But um, I think one thing that I would say is yeah, don't be too harsh on yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. That was what she said. She said, you need to separate the guilt from the doubt and yeah, have yeah, those yeah. as two different containers of emotions. You're exactly right. Doubt is part of the parenting process yeah. and you have to, you know, make peace with the fact that you're doing the best that you can mm. with the information and the education that you have in this moment and in the next moment when you have a different set of experiences, you'll make a different decision Correct. and that's okay. Yeah. But that you need to separate the guilt from that and, and really let the guilt go as much as you can around, well, she should experience, I want her to know, you know, all of those things. And so mm -hmm. journaling was a really powerful tool for me there. Uh, so E, our, our daughter's birth mother has chosen not to have any contact. And yep. I was really, um, you know, a, a, the longer we've gone in this adoption journey, the, the more sad that has made me. She was like, the way you overcome that, that is by capturing these experiences that you can share with her should she reach out. And that to me was just like this beautiful shift that I yeah. hadn't really considered that really allowed me to kind of let go of that. Mm -hmm. um, do your do your kids know? Oh, yes. Yes. They have known from the time they were old enough to even not even understand what it was. We, yep. um, I remember a, a moment, um, you know, really when my daughter was, oh, goodness, she was probably, you know, 18 months, 24 yep. months, something like that. 
we were in daycare, a pick up or drop off and someone else in the room was pregnant and she went over and baby. And then she would come over and she would point at my tummy and say me and, and, you know, I could uh-huh. tell she was trying to put it together. And so I just bent down and put her hand on my heart and said, you know, Kay, this is where you came from. You yeah. grew in my heart. And so we used age appropriate language, yep. right. For them. Um, all the way throughout. And so it's funny, my daughter is incredibly interested in all things adoption and has a lot of questions and not so much. And so I'm just trying to take their lead and really follow their curiosities as as they grow and learn more. But yes, absolutely. 100%. It is no secret in our house and our family. Um, That was something I was adamant on from the beginning. Yep. No, really. uh, That's, I think the best decision ever. I, look at mum and dad and I say the best thing they ever did was tell me early. Um, I've always known there was never a surprise. Um, and for me personally, that was the, the best thing um, to help me through. Uh, and later on in life when they become adults, they may choose to do the whole DNA thing or, or, or ask to find their birth parents some birth mother and father and, they will continue to take the lead, I I assume. So I guess it's um it's a story that's evolving. You're exactly right. Yeah, we've my husband and I have both talked about that and that it's their decision. It's their lives and we need to take their lead. Um, you know, from start to to finish, so to speak. And I, I do hope for each of them that they find out any information that they want, right? So yep. if they don't want to know, then that's their decision. Yeah. But if they want to know and, you know, meet and have a relationship, I'm fully supportive of that too, because I can't understand their stories, yep. right? And, yep. and what they want to do aside from them telling me, and I, I need to follow their lead. That's right. This has also uh, opened another area of your heart for other people too, hasn't it? You know, it really has. Um, so again, as an adoptive mom, I've learned quite a few lessons. And the biggest lesson that I've learned is that we all need community in this journey. Again, I knew the one person when we started our journey and bless her heart. I mean, I, I owe her a ton of gratitude because she answered every single question and provided her perspective of yep. what she had learned through her journey. But I think that, you know, people sharing their stories on platforms like yours and others really helps us all grow in community. And over the years, it started from just, you know, hey, um, (laughs) giving my phone number out and my email address out to anybody that's like, hey, you know, I'm considering adoption or someone else is considering adoption. Like, tell them to call me, tell them to email me. And now it is it has grown into a YouTube and a podcast and a Facebook community called My Adoption Coach. Nice. Where I really focus on educating folks and then helping them tell their story. So uh, through their adoption profiles, my background is in journalism and marketing. And so I really help people, uh, hopeful adoptive families, put together their profiles in a way that helps tell the story of who their family is. Because that was what both of my children's birth mothers told me that helped them feel calm in their decision is they got a clear picture of what life was like in our family. And that was the vision that they wanted for their children's lives. And so that's what I focus on today through the work I do in my adoption coach. Right. That is so much different than what I think, Life was like, well, 
I was adopted in the 70s, early 70s, um, and for children adopted before then, it was a, it was like handing your child over into the abyss and just hoping something good would happen. You had total faith on the uh, agency or the government agency that would hand those children over to the right people. Um, yeah. So it's good that things have changed in a positive way in that regard and you're doing wonderful work. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. For me, it, we're creating connections yep. and we're creating families, right? And the family is not just the hopeful adoptive family and the child. It's an extended family of mm. the birth family as well. And so I believe that the most genuine connections come when you actually have a shared vision of what this child's life is like yeah. and what you want it to be uh, together as a, a total family unit. And I think that by not sharing information about who you are as a family is, you know, and 100% authentic and honest and truthful is really doing a disservice to the expectant families. And so mm. that's the way I, I, I coach people to think about how you can support all sides of the triad from the first breath of the adoption idea in your body. So, and how you can do that is by authentically being you and sharing who you are mm -hmm. so that you can find the right match. And I do believe, again, I, I learned a really important lesson through our disruption that we were the right match. And in the moment when we were going through that, I didn't see that, right? I had the anger and the, mm. the hurt feelings and, and yeah. all the things, but that was the lesson that it ultimately led me to. And um, that's the lesson that I try to impart to hopeful adoptive families. It's not to say that you won't, you know, get connected with the wrong people and decide, mm. you know, this is not the right fit, but goodness, it's so much better to, you know, get to know each other beforehand and make that decision together. So how long have you been doing this for? So I've been officially doing this for about three years and um, it is a passion for me. It is not what supports our family. This is just what makes my heart happy. Yep. Um, but I've been helping people adopt um, honestly since the moment that our daughter came home. And um, so that would be, a, you know, a, around seven years now. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so silly. I have a wall in my office here at our home where I just capture snapshots and Christmas cards and, you know, birthday party invitations and all of those types of things from all of the families that I've been able to help form over the past seven years. And it just makes my heart happy to, to see them and be Facebook friends with them and catch up on them and, yep. and what they're doing. And it's just, a, it's a beautiful moment. And Facebook does have some interesting dialogue behind it but in those situations it's the perfect platform isn't it you know it really is so here in the states there are actually groups that are focused on connecting expectant families and hopeful adoptive families together and that is one of the unique things that i help teach my clients is really how to use social media to get mm. connected mm -hmm. um 
you know, when, when most people think about how they share their story with expectant families, when you're first starting out in your journey, they think, oh, I, I, you know, I need to create this profile book and I'll be, you know, mailing it to people and, um, you know, those types of things. And then as you begin to research and get into it a bit more, you realize just how digitally connected the, the journey of adoption has become and how there are different ways to connect. And that's one of the ways that from my marketing background, from my corporate day job, that I'm able to to share the learnings on, you know, how you can meet and um, get to know people through those channels. Very cool. Um, so give us the name of your podcast and uh, company again. It's called My Adoption Coach. And yep. so we're on all the major platforms. And if you want to read a little bit more about my story or learn a little bit more about adoption in the US, you can just head on over to myadoptioncoach.com. And there on the homepage, I have you know the option for you to sign up to, to receive an email with a kind of a getting started guide so you can learn more about the adoption process here in the US. Right on. Have you had any uh, birth parents that have gone all the way there and then change their decision after um, going through this process or has it made that initial, um, I'm not sure of the right term to use, but the initial process a little bit more smooth and more comfortable for them? You know, so I mainly work with hopeful adoptive families, but from a hopeful adoptive family perspective, yes, folks have still experienced disruptions, but they have experienced disruptions before they've gotten to the birth. That has what has, to me, that's the ultimate goal is that they, you know, have those connections, they have those conversations, and then they determine whether or not they're the right fit together before birth. So they, um, you know, because obviously once the birth occurs, that's when a lot of the cost, in, you know, really comes about. And so you want to, in all the legal process, and in some states, it can actually, um, you know, if someone knowingly kind of brought someone along the journey and had no intention of placing, they mm. can even face legal action, right? Mm-hmm. So the ultimate goal is for everybody to have those key decisions before birth and then, you know, go through obviously the, the normal legal channels after that of revocation period, which is where someone has the opportunity to change their mind legally, yep. right, without consequence and all of that. But we see a much, much lower disruption rate. Uh, my clients do it, you know, versus industry averages, just because they're having those intentional conversations up front and really, yeah. you know, kind of co-determining whether or not this is the right fit for them. Yeah, and that's a positive outcome, reducing that number. Um, have you got any idea on the number of people that you've helped? Over a thousand now. Wow. Um, we're sitting just shy of twelve hundred. Um, in that, you know, again, in various forms of help. Right? Some people I've taught them, you know, just how to adopt and what to look out for, and you know, those types of things. And then other people I've had the pleasure of working and walking with them from yeah. the time that they decided to adopt and didn't know, you know, what type of adoption they wanted to pursue. And I have a course that I offer to folks that helps them choose what you know method is right for them. Yeah. And then I've others I've helped, you know, just with their profile forward. So it's really beautiful to be able to walk alongside other families that are going through this. And as cheesy as it may sound, they're all part of my family now because 
course. I think about them, you know, oh. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, so-and-so's birthday or, oh, so-and-so's, you know, it's hospital time and they're off to the hospital and, yep. you know, those types of things. Have you found that uh, prospective adoptive parents or even once they become adoptive parents have similar type feelings? Um, in, is it in a general sense? Like the, the, guilt yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry, for sure. Um, and I, so here in the US, I've been working to create a network of, you know, post adoption resources and support groups and things of that nature. <laughs> Excuse me, everything from the, you know, hopeful adoptive family mm -hmm. perspective to the birth family, as well as the adoptee. And um, there are some really great um, resources out there that really help us all in community. And there are some that even I'm a part of support groups and things of that nature um, that, you know, we meet virtually, we talk through our feelings and what's going on. Yep. And we, you know, again, have that trauma informed counselor to really kind of guide us through everything. Yeah. Nice. And that's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good outcome. Um, have you got anything else that you'd like to um, add to your story? You know, I, the only other thing I would add to the story is a thank you to you. I think that, you know, normalizing adoption is to me a really important thing. And, uh, and that really sends shockwaves through the generations and through our communities and everything from, you know, maternity leave to healthcare yeah. support and, you know, uh, resources around mental health and all of those types of things. And so um, any opportunity we all get to come together as a community and lift up each other um, is really amazing. So thank you for all you do. No, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, um, I didn't, honestly start this to um uh well i thought i'd just be helping people tell their stories but as i've found the result of people telling their stories has helped help so many other people and for that um that really warms the cockles of my heart i can i can tell you and yeah it's um the old spine tingling stuff um, which happens more often than not these days, and that's something that it's a money can't buy thing, isn't it? It it really is. That's when people are like, "You are absolutely crazy. Why would you get up at three o'clock your time yeah. to, you know, work and uh, on someone's profile?" And I'm like, because the moment when they tell me that they've been matched, and then they show me the picture of their, their son or daughter, that moment, that is why I get out of bed to do what I do because. It, it is life-changing for generations, and yep. that is what makes me happy. Yes, no, and thank you for doing the work that you're doing. It uh, affects so many other people, and you should be very, very proud of what you're doing. Thank you very much. Eh? It's my pleasure and my honour. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much, Amanda, for your time, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks. That was Amanda Koval, everyone, and she's telling us her uh, adoption story and she's helping, well, thousands of people. So uh, couldn't ask for a better way to go into what I can now say. Uh, it was just a little bit of groundbreaking news as I'm going on a break. Um, I've been given an opportunity to work full-time at the Cricket World Cup 
I'm sure you'll be aware that uh, there's a Cricket World Cup happening in Australia for the next six weeks. So unless I get bombarded with uh, a few interviews that I can't uh, knock back, I'll get my son, my ever-ready producer to help. But um, until about a month from now, it'll be bye from me and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon. Cheers. And Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.